strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Hot off the presses, a statement from the governor of Arizona. Arizona Department of Revenue Director Robert Woods, Governor Ducey, directed the department to implement the next phase of Arizona's 2.5% flat tax for tax year 2023 and tw- not 24, as originally anticipated. Arizona performing, or the Phoenix economy, performing the best in the entire nation. The one downside to this, what we have seen with the raise of interest rates. Now, there is not a direct correlation, as most of you know. There is not a direct correlation from when the Fed raises interest rates that mortgage rates automatically go up. They usually follow, and that's why we have seen rates go up close to 7% when they were at 3 But there isn't a direct relation that when one goes up, the other one automatically goes up. There's still going to be fluctuation in the real estate market. But it has caused the cooling in the real estate market in Phoenix, Arizona. The Phoenix area, they call it the Phoenix Metro, we call it the Valley, is one of the top 10 slowing real estate markets in the country. Most of them are in California. Las Vegas, Nevada is one of them. Um, but most of them are in California. Uh, Seattle is number one in the slowing in the real estate market. Um, but Phoenix, as far as the cooling off goes, is good news for some people. I, not all. If you're selling a home, not necessarily. But if you have been waiting to get in the market to buy a home, things are starting to get better as far as prices go. The problem is when you, the offset comes with the uptick in the price you're going to pay or the payment you're going to make because of interest rates. But that doesn't paint the whole picture. When you look at the area, and I look as – yes, it is because I agree with this. There's no doubt about that. But we see it working. When you see places that have oppressive local and state taxes, I mean really high taxes, businesses suffer, and businesses are looking for relief. So when you have an area and, – and Arizona has grown so much. I moved here in 95. I've always loved Arizona. I came here for the first time in 92. And I fell in love with Arizona, but it has changed quite a bit. And for people that are looking for nightlife and lifestyle and things of that nature, Arizona has a diversity of things to offer people from, um, you know, if you want to live uh, on horse property, it's available on a golf course. It's available. Uh, if you want to live in a beautiful old neighborhood, grown in neighborhood like Arcadia, it's available. North Scottsdale, it's here. The diversity of lifestyle is here now. Um, it is not just a sleepy little dusty town anymore. It's not L.A., But you're not paying L.A. prices either. But if you look at how successful Arizona has been, and unless you've really watched it closely, it's been a remarkable shift. Um, And every time I talk about this, I want to give credit where credit is due because there was some very difficult decisions that were made by our former governor in in Jan Brewer. Um, And Governor Brewer took – if you wouldn't pay close attention, I was doing this, so I remember it very clearly. She was very, very popular with people for such a long time, especially people in her party. She did the finger-wagging thing in Obama's face on the tarmac, and then she wrote that book called uh, Scorpions for Breakfast and nationally known. And I was at the national convention in Tampa, Florida. Florida, when they nominated Mitt Romney and when they introduced Arizona and Jan Brewer, this arena erupted like Elvis had walked on stage. And so she was loved by people. But when it came to policy, when it came to the decisions that had to be made to right our economy later on, when that happened, she took a lot of heat. I mean, she took a lot of heat. I should say before that, she was she made decisions about uh, about health care during the Obama administration. She made decisions on budgets that she was going to veto. There had to be cuts that had to be made because they had to stop the bleeding from the recession. 
And so Arizona was on the precipice of disaster. We had the highest per capita debt of any state in the nation while she was in office. When Governor Ducey came in, he took over where the bleeding was stopped. And what they've done, what the legislature has done and and business leaders have done is what I refer to as intentional growth. The intentional growth that has diversified Arizona's economy and the policies that got us there. And you look around the country, and I know this is one of those adversarial conversations because tax and spend and and versus, you know, the trickle-down economics and everybody wants to fight about it. But it's hard to argue about the results in Arizona. If you think that this would have just happened anyway, those are the people that drive me crazy. People were coming anyway. No, they weren't. They weren't out. They didn't hate Arizona, but it wasn't an attractive place for them. Texas sure is. Nevada sure is. No state income taxes. Plenty of open land. Plenty of places to plant your flag and start your business or grow your business or move your business. And Arizona wasn't necessarily. Expansion of our freeways. And now you've got all of that land that's being used for warehouses and for industrial places along the 303 out in the West Valley, which is connected to the 10, which gets you to L.A. faster. The expansion of I-10 that's going on right now. The tax-friendly atmosphere with small and large businesses. Now a 2.5% flat tax for all people in Arizona. Small businesses are thriving under it. There's a reason why the Phoenix metro area, that the valley, is going better. Better than any place else in the country during the time when the government says we're getting out of the way, we are going to reduce our taxes. They have increased their revenue. How do you how do you argue against that? We've got this big surplus. And then the fight is, well, we should spend it on this, put it in education, do this, do that. So great. That's what we should do. Republicans and Democrats are never going to agree completely on anything. But the one thing I will say to both parties is this. You are now fighting over a pile of money with your ideology and how it should be spent or if it should be spent. That's what it should be all the time. It shouldn't be that everybody gets told, yes, we run into deficits and we tax and tax and tax so that everybody in the legislature gets what they want. This path forward has proven to be successful. Business friendly, cater to business as much as you can. You don't don't throw away quality. There are still rules to a growth in business. There are still impact fees. There are still things that have to be paid for and dealt with in infrastructure. And there is orderly managed intentional growth that happens. But we also say as a as a community, we say to these businesses, big and small, when you come here, you are going to keep a much larger portion of your profits than you will in other states. That is huge. That is what drives industry. That's what's driving up our employment, what's driving up our wages and the quality of jobs that are available out there. And, you know, it is a partisan argument. I mean, I'm, you know, if you just tuned in three minutes in, you figured out I'm a Republican. But it's hard to argue with the results when places like California are suffering, when business owners in San Francisco are furious and saying we aren't paying our taxes until you make our city safer. When you see what's happening in Seattle and when you see what's happening in Minneapolis, when you look all over California and businesses are leaving, when there are record numbers of people from New York relocating to Florida in record numbers. Because the wealthy are fleeing the oppressive taxes. Florida, no income tax. 
Go look at the taxes in New York. So beautiful climate, absolutely. People retire there, absolutely. Is it New York's nightlife? No. Is it the availability of things to do? No. But when you take the offset of the money they get to hang on to, why wouldn't they move to Florida? And I just think we should be a results-oriented society, and it is hard to argue with the results. It's been remarkable. All right, we're going to go back to the Dreamer conversation. I talked about this earlier, but a bit of a different angle. The White House is getting ready to act on the Dreamers with an executive order. I'm going to tell you what that is, but my problem with it and why I think we are going to be doing this again sooner rather than later if we don't get a handle on things. It's all coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. President Biden, White House, preparing to take executive action to protect DACA dreamers. The administration is bracing for a likely court ruling that would end the program, which has shielded more than 600,000 immigrants from deportation. The White House is preparing to take this action. The White House told NBC News planning has intensified in recent days ahead of a decision on the program's future from the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, possibly within days. Um, The program needs to end. Now, don't don't, you know, change the radio station and say that I'm some xenophobic racist. The program needs to end and we need a piece of legislation that puts this issue to bed and make sure that these children that were raised in America uh, live as Americans. I believe that to be true. And I think most Americans believe that to be true. This is not the fault of these children, although it is the fault of their parents. It isn't my fault. It isn't your fault. The parents came here illegally. Our responsibility in all of this is we've elected governments that turn their back on the border for a very, very long time, and we've done it again. The border is worse than it's ever been. Now, do I think it's the number one issue in the country? No, it isn't. The economy and jobs is the number one issue in this right now. Recession, inflation. But the border issue is one that has to be dealt with. And the problem I have, the reason why I'm so adamant about it, the reason why I am so upset about it, is because I'm looking at my grandchildren and they will deal with this. I'm 55 years old. So let's go, I'm going to fast forward, let's say 20 years. I'll be 75 if I make it that far. My oldest grandson will be 31 years old. Will be in the heart of hopefully his money-making years, his leadership years, building a family of his own, all of these things he will be doing. And they will be sitting around having conversations about the border and about the dreamers and about the generation that we've created of people who are suffering on all sides of this issue. As we speak, there are millions of people, two million contacts, two million of them last year set a record. There are people that have come to this country that have been giving tracking devices and are allowed to stay extended periods of times, two, three, four years, whatever it is, until they get a hearing, a status hearing. Those families are going to put down roots. Those children are going to be educated in American schools. Those children, for all purposes, are going to be Americans in their hearts and in their minds. And then they're going to have hearings and we're going to fight again about whether or not they are citizens and should stay. That's what's happening. So while this White House is going to try to finish the job the Obama administration couldn't and didn't, with the DREAM Act being just that, an executive order and not a law, 
They are going to do something else by executive action to further extend this out without there being legislation. So we have that entire generation of people that were children that now are adults that want to go to college and they want to go in the military and they want to be contributing Americans. They want to be all of those things. We still haven't dealt with them. That goes back to the Obama administration. And here we are creating that new generation. This is what bothers me about all of this more than anything else. We stand on opposite sides of the street. We throw rocks at each other. When I say we got to secure the border, I'm a xenophobe and I'm a racist. Listen to the show. You're not going to find a more adamant uh, advocate for immigration than me. No way. I think it's a phenomenal thing in this country. But you can't visit the border as many times as I have. You can't talk to ranchers. You can't talk to cops. You can't talk to people that work at food banks and hospitals and emergency services or have conversations with families that have come here through that border illegally and hear the way they are mistreated and lied to. Can't do it without saying something needs to be fixed. It is unfortunate. It's a horrible, horrible thing that's going on. Want to shift to elections? We talked about a company here in Phoenix that makes ballots for 23 states. We'll talk election integrity and ballot issues next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. How do you not love Run DMC? How could you not love Run DMC? Um, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Uh, we talked about this company that did ballot, uh, that creates ballot. They make ballots for 23 different states. I think it's like 76 counties or something crazy like that. And uh, they're a large company based out of Phoenix, and they're talking about election integrity. And I think it's a topic. These are the stories that we should be hearing. Now, there are those that still believe the election was stolen and that this company is probably in on it. So, therefore, this story is propaganda. But I do think there's a valuable conversation to be had with people. As soon as we discount people we disagree with and call them just flat out crazy for their beliefs, I think we get into trouble. Um, I walked the line not because I had to, but because I believed it. I've gone out on a limb with many, believe me, within my party. I've had people call me and accuse me of taking bribes. Because I was so far off of their way of thinking and maybe where I would normally think on an issue. I've actually had people come and ask me if I was on the take because I've stepped out of line with my party. Listen to me long enough. You're going to figure out I'm a conservative Republican, especially a very fiscally conservative Republican. When it comes to social issues, I will tell you that the older I get, the more libertarian I get. It's none of my business, and it certainly isn't any of the government's business. That's how I feel. I I say it's a crass way to say it, but I tell people I don't need to know what's in your nightstand. It's none of my business. Um, I'll give you an example of the libertarian in me when it comes to uh, same-sex marriage. When it comes to same-sex marriage, if the government is going to say you are not in the eyes of the government officially married unless you go down and pay a fee and get a license from the government that says you're married, you're not really married, well, then they got to do it for everyone. That's how it is. And if in your religious beliefs you don't believe that people of the same gender should be married, then take that up as a doctrinal issue with your church. Because as far as I'm concerned, marriage is a right, an R-I-T-E, not a right, an R-I-G-H-T. The fact that being married in our society is a licensing issue. Now, they'll tell you it's the courts, which could be worked around. But the idea that you have to pay the government to officially stamp that you are married is absurd to me. 
If you stand before God, if you believe in God, if you stand before God and you swear that you're going to love somebody forever and you exchange rings in front of your friends and family, who's to tell you that you're not married? The government. That's the libertarian in me. We can argue about it. We don't have to. But that's just to give you an idea. That's my social views coming out when it comes to my thought process. There are certain things that I believe in my heart are right and wrong based on my beliefs. Many of them faith-based beliefs. But there are also things I think are none of the government's business that spends way too much time and money getting involved in. But when we take one side and they disagree with us on one issue, we throw the baby out with the bathwater and they are no longer viable. Their their opinions don't matter. That's when we run into trouble. I played a little clip from The View the other day and uh, Joy Behar screaming and yelling um, about Kirsten Cinema and how the Republicans don't like her because she's bisexual. Republicans don't care. Senator Cinema made that statement. Nobody cares. I can tell you, for those of you that are not Republicans, I'm going to let you in on the secret. I'm going to let you in on the Republican secret. We don't care. We don't care if you're gay. We don't care if you're straight. We don't care if you're polyamorous, whatever the heck that means. We don't care. And uh, the one, and there are people in the parties that do care. And you want to label everybody that. I can tell you that that's not the case. When we look at the issue of a stolen election, and there are people that have been sensationalized in this fight to be made out to look like tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists, QAnon, all of this stuff. And I can tell you that there are very reasonable people, people that you would enjoy, people that you would find intelligent, people that you would agree with on many, many things that truly, truly and firmly believed that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. So if you want to have the picture in your head that those people are all crazy, you know, like the QAnon shaman, that isn't the majority of people that believed it. Just like when Hillary Clinton and Stacey Abrams still believe that the elections were stolen from them in 2016. It's interesting that we, we don't see the conspiracy theorists on the other side being made the focus of those fights about stolen elections. Where, um, you know, here in the Arizona State Legislature, the Senate President Karen Fan was made out to be a conspiracy theorist in the audit in the way it was done. And yet Nancy Pelosi directs two two different um, committees in the United States House of Representatives to search for four years for uh, Russian collusion and found none. She's not being labeled a conspiracy theorist by some. So when you look at this company that has these ballots, that creates ballots for 23 states, I think it's important to tell these stories, to reassure the majority of the voters in Arizona and around the country that the way we run elections is is, that doesn't mean that people don't cheat. But widespread cheating is going to be thwarted, that the results of election being changed by cheating is very, very difficult to do and almost impossible, if not impossible. We should be doing everything we can to reassure those people that that's the case and we should be able to do it without um, this this automatic labeling and I, you know I'm, I'm in a place that I'm really happy about in my life that I don't really care what they think if, if somebody wants to say I'm on the take or somebody I don't care what they think I walk into those rooms they're never getting rid of me I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a member of the Republican Party 
I'm not in party leadership. I'm not a precinct committeeman. I'm none of those things. I have no vote in the leadership or the direction of the Republican Party, but I'm a registered Republican voter, and they're never getting rid of me. I will stick by my principles. I don't care what they think of me, and unless there's an element of that in us that we can disagree in principle – And not cast somebody out. I have maintained, and I like the fact, I have maintained a, as far as on my side, and I believe it's true on both sides, I have maintained a very good relationship with Senate President Karen Fan. We have still maintained a very good uh, respect and rapport with each other. Um, The same thing with Randy Pullen, um, same thing with Ken Bennett, all of these people involved in the audit because I didn't go after their character. I went after what was being done. I called out and said it was wrong the way it was being handled. I didn't call them names and accuse them of things. There are a significant number of people that still have questions about the 2016 election on one side of the aisle and the 2020 election on the other side of the aisle. And I think we need to move on. I think we need to move on to 2022. Put it out there. This is what we've done to fix it. This is how it's going to be safe. If you don't want to believe it, it's on you. But we have to move forward. We are a a little over a month away from an election, the next election, and we're still fighting about 2020. And there is an element out there that it's a business for some people. I'm sad to say it's uh, there are there are some people out there raising a lot of money being an election denier. They are riling up a lot of people. They have a lot of people out there that are sending them money. And uh, I think it's sad. I think it's sad. In a moment, uh, how do police departments deal with staffing shortages? There are multiple ways it's being done. There are some that are very clever and some that are very expensive. We're going to talk about it coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, I, I guess what I hear in my head that comes out of my mouth and what's interpreted by other people that hear me say it makes me laugh hysterically. I just got done talking about my libertarian views on government involvement in people's personal lives. And the example I used was gay marriage in saying that it's none of the government's business, that it's a doctrinal issue, that if you don't think that two people of the same gender should get married and your church marries those people, take it up with your church because that's a doctrinal issue. It shouldn't be a governmental issue that the government should stay out of it. So I didn't endorse gay marriage. I didn't say anything about that. But I want to read something. You're going to love just the beginning of this. Um, uh, It starts off addressing me, calling me Dumbo with an exclamation point. Men that marry men, you are out of your damn mind. You are out of your damn mind. (laughs) M-I-N-E-D. I'm out of my... I had to explain to him in my response, it's M-I-N-D. Mind means I dug something out of the ground. But that's how this issue starts. I am out of my mind. M-I-N-E-D. If you think God validates or accepts that. I uh, um, didn't say anything about... Gay marriage being right or wrong. I said it's a doctrinal issue. It's none of the government's business. And what this guy heard was, first of all, he calls me Dumbo. Very clever. I'm surprised he didn't make fun of my last name because I've never had anybody make fun of my last name before. Um, 
So then he goes on to talk about nowhere in the Bible is this endorsed, completely missing the point that I was trying to make. This is why I love social media. This is why I love social media. Because I don't know what this person heard me say, but I didn't say anything other than in my mind, the government should not be in the marriage business. That's how I feel about it. And uh, now I've got to I've got to get up. uh, I've got to give up my. um, um, He gets some pretty crude talks about pretty crude sexual acts. And I don't know what this dude's deal is, but I should now I think I have to give up my Christianity. So I think I'm going to have to in order to stay in this guy's good graces, renounce my Christianity because I dared say that the government should not be in the marriage business. Oh, I may just screenshot that and repost it so all of you can see it because I am out of my mind. Am I in? ED. Um, that's not that's not a typo, by the way. It's not a typo. He believes mind as what you think with was spelled M-I-N-E-D. Um, let's get back to the topic at hand. Uh, to shore up dwindling ranks, police departments hire more civilian investigators. They are looking for creative way, ways with unsworn employees to offset costs but also get the manpower they need to reach the levels of patrol that they need but also to have the investigative arm to finish off investigations. When a police officer goes to a crime scene – or goes to a call and they ha- they can't make an arrest because they don't have the evidence or whatever else, it gets turned over to a detective. Detectives then detect. They go out and they investigate and they get further evidence, uh, ultimately building a case that leads to an arrest if one is warranted. And then they prosecute and that's how the system's supposed to work. Well, in police departments across the country, the number one, the number one job of a police department is patrol, answering calls for service. So you have to have a fully functioning group of patrol officers or deputies or troopers out doing that job. But that doesn't mean that you are you are a fully functioning agency if you don't have the manpower you need. Here's just a couple of things on the other side of that. New York City sex offender with nine prior arrests is accused of beating and raping an 81 year old neighbor. Um, uh, police departments are dangling bonuses to attract new cops is another story. Um, crime and punishment is an offer, is often a, a, a topic that we talk about on the show because I think it's a part of who we are as a society. If you are a law to, law-abiding citizen, you deserve to know that we you – know, if we are going to be a society that says we are law and order, which is when somebody commits a crime, we report it to the authorities. The authorities are supposed to investigate and make sure that those people are held accountable for the crimes they commit. When you've got somebody that's been arrested nine times as a sex offender and then they go out and rape an 81-year-old, that 81-year-old and that family have a right to question the system that keeps that predator on the streets. It adds insult to injury. You have somebody who has been dramatically injured, somebody who has been traumatized by a sexual assault, only to find out that probably this guy had no business being back out on the street. And lastly, in this crime and punishment, here's a story, a headline. Smith & Wesson sued by families of Highland Park shooting victims. The civil lawsuit also named the gun retailer, a gun dealer, and the accused shooter and his father. Um, I will tell you how just out of uh, touch this this uh, kind of thing is. Um, I drive a Ford Expedition that I bought from Sanderson Ford in the West Valley. I've bought the last probably 10 vehicles I've purchased, maybe not quite 10, but all of the vehicles in the last 10 years or so, more than that, 15 years, I've purchased at Sanderson Ford. Um, if I were to go out tonight and get drunk, 
and crash my Ford Expedition and and hurt somebody or kill somebody, God forbid, um, the person that I hit is never even going to consider suing the Ford Motor Company or Sanderson Ford for selling me the vehicle. The perception of a firearms dealer saying that you are you are somehow on the hook. Does a, does the Smith and Wesson get credit? Does a company uh, M and P um, do they get credit when somebody thwarts a crime with a gun? When a good Samaritan stops someone. Uh, I've told the story on the air of the trooper in the West Valley who was being beaten to death by a suspect who was killed by a good Samaritan with a firearm. Um, did the firearms manufacturer get a, get an award for uh, saving that cop's life? No, no. The good Samaritan that pulled the trigger gets the award for saving that cop's life. No one even considered talking about what a great firearm that that company made and provided to that guy or the gun dealer he bought it from. It's, it's an, we are going after the wrong groups of people. There is no doubt about it. We are going after the wrong groups of people. We're going to shift back to the economy coming up just after 11 o'clock. We're going to talk about the cooling real estate market in Phoenix, but some good news as the government implements a, fat, a flat tax, how it's going to affect you here in Arizona this tax year. Next.